Welcome to the No More Mondays podcast, the show that inspires confident professionals by interviewing people who actually enjoy what they do for work. I'm your host, Angie Callen, and I welcome you to join me each week as I chat with founders, entrepreneurs, and employees who have figured out that special sauce, the magic, the mystery to having No More Mondays. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the No More Mondays podcast. I am especially excited you decided to join us for today's episode entitled A Story of Employment to Entrepreneurship. I could not be more excited to introduce you to today's guest, Anna Baker. In the interest of full disclosure, you should know that she and I have been friends for over 20 years. And while that may date us, I'll tell you that our time together goes all the way back to our days at Carnegie Mellon, which is one of the reasons I'm so excited to get into this conversation today. Anna started her career in textbook publishing uh, before moving into the nonprofit sector where she evolved alongside the rise of digital media to become an expert in the art of informative and entertaining content writing and storytelling, particularly for public health organizations. After moving from publishing to marketing leadership in nonprofit associations, Anna stepped out on her own and founded Three Story Strategies, where she focuses on two very important things, organizing information and using it to tell great stories. Here to share her amazing story and the journey from employment to entrepreneurship, please welcome one of my very best friends in the whole world, Anna Baker. Hi, Angie. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Um, that's a buildup, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Setting the bar high. Exactly. Uh, that's what we would do. And I think one of our biggest challenges today is condensing this conversation into what can be a reasonable podcast length because Anna and I could just go, I mean, we could strategize, have meaningful conversations and catch up on life for hours and hours. But let's start with having you catch our listeners up kind of on what you're doing with Three Stories. So tell us more about your business and the work that you're doing there. Sure. So I describe myself as a freelance writer and communications consultant. I work primarily with nonprofits and associations and also some, what I would say, mission-oriented companies, mostly in the health and wellness sphere. That's become my area of expertise topically. Uh, so helping people with chronic conditions like food allergies or diabetes or helping women navigate their reproductive health. Uh, it's, it's really all about contributing to health literacy and patient literacy so people can just live their best lives and sort through uh, the barrage of information that they might find primarily online um, about those conditions. I founded my company, Three Story Strategies, back in 2017. As you said, I was making the transition from full-time employment to entrepreneurship, um, somewhat accidentally, which I'm sure we will cover. And um, I just really find joy every day in meeting new clients, working on new projects, getting to choose the projects that I get to work on, and really bringing the, my almost 20 years of professional writing expertise uh, to their needs and helping them connect with their audiences always thought this about you that and I think it it is so it's you you embody the following very unique combination of strengths in the in the business and that is that you have the very creative aspect of a writer but you have a very like s organized type a kind of personality at the same same time how do the, how do you manage those two things it's always so interesting to hear someone who knows you so well reflect you back to you, you know, to tell you what, what they see in you as, as well as you know yourself. Other people sometimes know you better. 
I describe myself as someone who has the big picture thinking of a senior strategist, but also that detailed orientedness of a professional writer and a professional editor. Um, and for this, it might help to go back a little bit or actually a, a lot a bit. I was always a writer that that's, I was good at a lot of things in school, but I loved reading. I loved writing. When I discovered that there was a magnet high school for the arts in my district, Baltimore County, Maryland, where you could study literary arts, I was like, that's for me, sign me up. Um, so I've been focusing on this and then into my degree at Carnegie Mellon, which was in professional writing, um, really almost my entire life. But in that high school program where we learned about everything from poetry to journalism to playwriting, I quickly learned that I was not the most creative writer in the class. Um, I was not the most imaginative writer in the class. Where I really excelled was that nonfiction writing, as they generally called it. So I loved journalism, but I wasn't really sure that I wanted to be, you know, a newspaper reporter. And between that and like great American novelist, I was a little perplexed as to what my career options could be. <laughs> but that's what college is for, right? So college introduced me to the worlds of, you know, you can be in marketing, you can be in PR, you can become a lawyer, you can go into publishing. There are so many industries. In fact, every industry has a need for people who can write well and tell stories well. And that's how I broaden my horizons and then eventually narrow them back down again over the course of my career. You took two bookends and we've weaved together what happened kind of between three stories and that realization of that informative writing and publishing and give everybody a little bit of background on how you got to where you're at today. So as you mentioned, my first few years of my career were in textbook publishing, uh, political science specifically. So my job was uh, first as a pr production editor, so really just project manager, managing book titles from copy editing to publication. I then moved into an acquisition role where I was helping authors shape the ideas for their books that would ultimately be published. Uh, but that was a little too slow paced for me. So that's when I made the switch to nonprofit marketing communication, specifically social media is where I spent a lot of my time. And that was when social media was really becoming a thing for business. I remember at my first nonprofit job, actually having to make a pitch to the board of directors in order to get permission to start a Facebook page in the name of the organization. So then in my series of nonprofit roles, you know, I was doing many things pertaining to strategic communications, but I also, from, from having done social media specifically, I really became, as I saw it, the internal voice of the consumer or the internal voice of the member or patient or whatever that audience demographic was. Because when you listen to social media, you can see what people are interested in. You can see what news is trending. You can see the questions that people are asking again and again and again. And one of the things that I come across when I kind of talk to somebody who has maybe an entrepreneurial spirit or has always been interested in it is there's there can be some confusion or some overwhelm or some fear around the actual transition of how do I take my like my career and even conceptualize how to use it in a business. But even more kind of, I think, more logistically, like literally, how do I make this happen while making sure I feed myself? And your story around how you transitioned, I think, is a really great example of how you can do this without fearing for feeding yourself. So talk to me a little bit about how you segued, you segued all of this and, and how that like logistically played out. 
Um, it may help to mention at this point that this is actually my second entrepreneurial venture. I spent about 10 years as a freelance wedding coordinator. It was when I was in publishing, a colleague and I had both gotten married around the same time. We would chit chat over lunch and talk about each other's weddings when no one else wanted to hear any more about it. And when both of our weddings were done and we, you know, had that sense of like planning withdrawal, we said, Hey, maybe other people will pay us to do this for them. But it was definitely always a side hustle. It was a nice, compliment to the, you know, cubicle office working life. Mm -hmm. It was a great way to meet new people. It was a great way to uh, get to know the DC area better and just practice, you know, organization skills, planning skills, diplomacy skills, um, and, and other things that serve me well to this day. But it's all nights and weekends, right? And that's not for everyone. And for that reason, after a few years, we decided to hang up our uh, clipboards and, and try something else. But the entrepreneurial uh, spirit kind of sp still was like there, like, what am I going to go do? What am I going to go do? So how did three stories come to be? And how did, yeah, how did you, how did you make this happen? So my star was definitely rising. I was working, as you said, at a large healthcare nonprofit. Um, and I loved my job. I loved the mission. I loved what I did for a living, but it was also an organization that was going through a lot of sustained changes and leadership switchovers and reorganizations. And I was frankly burned out. Everyone has a different level of tolerance for that. And my appetite for it was quickly fading. So I decided, okay, I'm going to go look for another job. Uh, meanwhile, my husband and I had been debating for years whether or not to have a third child. And I kept putting it off saying, work is too busy, work is too busy, now is not the right time. But it, so all this is happening kind of at the same time. Family planning, burned out at my job. And then the third piece of the puzzle that kick-started this all off was a former colleague came to me and said, you know, it's a shame that you're not consulting because I have a project that would be just perfect for you. And I do not consider myself to be a risk taker at all, but the stars seemed to be aligning and I took it as a sign. And so instead of saying, ha ha, yeah, too bad, I said, tell me more. And we worked out an arrangement where I was going to be nearly full time on a consulting project for her. It was a website redesign for a food allergy organization. I'm a food allergy mom. One of my children has a threatening peanut allergy. And I was able to leave my full-time work with that on-ramp. It was four months at least of guaranteed employment, making the money that I would need to be making. Uh, I got pregnant very quickly with my third child. And so I pitched this to my husband as an experiment, but pretty much a year-long experiment. I'm going to become a consultant. I'm going to try it with this one project to get me started. I'm going to have the baby. and. We'll see how things look by the time he's ready for daycare. And if things are going well, we'll just keep on keeping on. And if it's not panning out, then I'll just find another job, uh, which I was confident that I would, you know, sooner or later. And here we are. It's been about four and a half years since that conversation or those conversations all took place. And I am still consulting and freelancing full time as a mother of three. Love it. And I don't know that many people can say I became an entrepreneur because it supported the family planning. So that's you get to own that unique piece. But it really I'm a big fan of designing life and figuring out how your career fits into it. And this is definitely an element of that kind of big picture. And when common themes present themselves, 
I've started to learn it's time to listen. The message, the reason I wanted you to tell that story is because there are ways to make this happen that can also balance that kind of risk averseness that some people have versus uh, cut the cord and pray. <laughs> um, and I also want to mention that I was fortunate to you know, have a dual income household. My husband's an engineer, his business or his job took care of our healthcare benefits. Uh, we had some savings as a safety net. So the experiment surely could not have lasted forever. <laughs> but those you know, things being in place really helped make this possible. So I just want to acknowledge that that's not the case for everyone. If I remember correctly, the four month contract ended. And since then, like you've had to be put clients on a wait list. So it's, it's like that really just got a ball rolling in it and it hasn't stopped. That's exactly right. You know, more than four years into this, almost all of my work has come. At any given time, I'm usually working with about half a dozen clients. Uh, but over time, I've probably amassed at least 20. Uh, most of them are either people that I worked with prior in my career, could be as far back as 10 or 15 years ago, or they are first or secondary contacts of my inner circle. So it's been almost exclusively referrals and word of mouth that has gotten me clients in those four years. And that's how, if you're looking for inspiration or the, the age old question that once I answer, answer the question of like, how do I start a business? The next question that almost always follows is how do I get clients? And that's a perfect example of using your expertise in the, the circle that you created through that expertise to, to be your kind of like your champions, your referral system and your clients. You don't necessarily have to go advertise. So I was telling everybody that I knew mostly on LinkedIn that I was consulting just to kind of open people's eyes and ears for me. I was reaching out to staffing agencies that I had known in other parts of my career who specialize in marketing communications roles that helped open up a new uh, stream to introduce me to new clients that I might not have met otherwise. And then things just, you know, one thing led to another. And that first organization that I started with has come back to me for repeat business, even though the person who first introduced me no longer works there. Uh, they have come back to me for several projects in the meantime. That's how you do it. Okay. So I love that you brought the family aspect into this because I love talking to moms who do it, who, who figured out how to kind of, let's say, do it all. So um, as we've mentioned, planner, super organized. How do you fit it all in? How do you structure your time? How do you manage the workflow? What kind of routines and practical tips can you give to people who are out there trying to balance these kinds of things? I am a, an obsessive to-do list maker. I use the notepad uh, app like on my desktop of my laptop and I have like different colored notes for different kind of parts of my life. Um, so in any given month or week or even day, I know exactly what I'm planning to do, whether it's professional and personal. Um, it took me a while, but I've become really good at estimating how long something is going to take me. When I was working full-time, I couldn't have told you because every single day was interrupted by meetings and one-off conversations and people on my team coming you know, to chat with me and seek input, which is what I was there for as, as a, a communications leader. But now that I'm more fully in charge of my schedule, I know, okay, I can carve out four hours here to write this article or I can 
you know, make this day all about meetings, what have you. So, so getting that fine tuning down really, really helps. Um, I also really try to stagger my deadlines as much as possible. So I don't have everything due like on a single Friday or, you know, five things due this week, but nothing due next week. I have the flexibility to be able to do that. Very rarely is my work super time sensitive. So that helps. Um, these are longer term projects that, you know, you can take a week or two or more to complete, sometimes even much longer than that. Uh, so I really try to give myself the, the space and time to stagger things, knowing that there's going to be unexpected things, personal or professional, that will fill up what I might think uh, might be an easy day or a break. It's amazing how quickly um, my time fills up. There are so there's there's tips here for whether you're employee or entrepreneur. So the focus time I think is an awesome whether you're in your own business or you're working, but that kind of like tune out and focus and condense your activities so that you're doing projects that take that similar kind of bandwidth and activities because you're more efficient with them. But I love that idea of like, I can, I can figure out how long a project will take me because that, that drives everything from pricing to your, you know, project load. So those are both, those are both great tips, regardless of whether you, you know, work for yourself or work for somebody else. I know in that color-coded, very down-to-the-minute organized systems, there are places for fun. So there's got to be like a little blue box if it's fun time in there somewhere. So um, the family is obviously a big part of your life. So what do you guys do for fun? What do you do when you're not telling story? What rounds you out as a, as a person and professional? Uh, you know, being a mom is sometimes unglamorous, but also sometimes fun. My three children are ages 11, 8, and 3. So we've got a wide age range there. Uh, because I have the flexible schedule and the autonomy, I try to volunteer at their schools as often as possible. I co-lead my daughter's Girl Scout troop. I've been doing that since she was in kindergarten. So I think this is the seventh year of that. Oh, my goodness. And I wasn't even a Girl Scout growing up. Uh, I find joy in meal planning and cooking for my family. I actually do, like by choice, I do about 90% of the cooking in our household, which is just fine by Dallas. Um, and I also like to burn off steam through physical activity and exercise. So we're big bike riders, hikers. Uh, I have a love-hate relationship with running. And I also love orange. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I also love orange theory. So those are the ways that I kind of, you know, clear my mind and, and find some balance in this crazy life and crazy world. And here comes the part you've been dreading. I know Otto well enough that she's going to hate rapid fire, but we're going to make her do it anyway. All right. <laughs> you ready? Uh, sure. So Let's do I'm it. Actually, a part of me is fun and laughing about this first question because I'm really curious about your answer of Star Trek or Star Wars. I seriously could not care less, uh, but on behalf <laughs> of my family, say. <laughs> I, I, it, it, it baffles me. Like there's just nothing about it either that appeals to me. But on behalf of my family, I will say Star Wars. I knew the answer to this question when I was looking at this. I'm like, the answer to this question for Anna is neither. So I was like, I can't wait to see what she says. But I know you'll like, like the second one, which is what's your favorite candy? Keith Bar. Oh, it's yes. Actually, I used to like score. Remember score bars? They were like, yeah. they were a lot like Heath bars, but the toffee was a little bit bur burnt. I liked that one. Um, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? A teacher or a writer. Name a great 80s band. That's hard for me. I can name a great 90s band. Okay, go for it. 
uh, well, she's a solo artist, but Alanis Morissette. Favorite childhood TV show? Full House. What is your favorite ice cream flavor? Coffee. <gasps> Ooh. Is there a certain yeah. brand of coffee ice cream that you gravitate towards? No, I don't really discriminate. And, and you can't always find coffee in the, in the store, sure. But like if you're at a coffee shop or excuse me, an ice cream shop, you know, it's, it's not always one of the top flavors. But if I see it, I have to grab it. And I've turned my 11-year-old daughter on to it as well. Uh, I'm excited for this one, especially from you. A great book recommendation. So this is probably going to surprise you, but one of my favorite books that I read this year was um, a biography of Robin Williams that was published a couple years after he died. So fairly recently, um, you and I grew up in like kind of the, the heyday of his career, right? And he's just a beloved entertainer. And I, I love biographies in general, but I really appreciated learning more about him and his background and his career, of course, but the themes I would say are actually really relevant to, to your work and to your podcast, just learning how he had to strategize and shape his career as an entertainer and try to develop his own personal brand and not be somebody else or who his, um, who his you know, agency wanted him to be. It just was, was really fascinating. And it's sad that he's no longer with us and that he struggled so with, with mental health. But that's probably the favorite book that I've read this year. And of course, this is a show about Mondays. So what is the first word that comes to mind when I say Monday? Well, being a writer, I have to stick with the alliteration. So I'm going to go with marinate. Um, and I use that word because in the um, figurative sense, for me, I always need time to marinate when I'm thinking about a project, when I'm writing something, when I'm editing something, you need that time to step away from it and either actively or inactively think on it because that's when the best ideas come to you. That's when that word you've been searching for comes to you. Oh, I'm going to rearrange these paragraphs. Oh, I just thought of a new headline. Oh, you know, I just thought of a, a better word for this, like comes to you you know, in the shower, when you're falling asleep at night, etc. Uh, and so weekend times are my primary time to marinate so that I can start Mondays uh, ready to get cooking. And so before we ask you for yet one more nugget of wisdom, I would love for you to tell everybody how we can, how they can find you, how they can follow three stories, how we can keep track of you and your journey as a, an entrepreneur, as a mom, and just as a wonderful human. Sure. So you can find my business online at threestorystrategies.com. The best social media channels for me are LinkedIn at slash Anna S. Baker. And then on Instagram, which is all pictures of my kids and my cats primarily. Um, I'm at one take Baker. And as we kind of wrap this up, give everybody your kind of gold nugget. What's your best piece of advice on what our listeners can do to get one step closer to a more enjoyable career or business? I would have to say, don't leave opportunity or worse money on the table. Too often, I think we shoot down ideas before we even give ourselves the chance to try them. This is something that I've certainly had to learn over time. So you think, oh, that agency would never pay me that rate or that company would never convert that role into a part-time gig or contract position. Or you might think this deadline isn't flexible. So you don't even ask. And I think it's time to start asking because, of, you know, as they say, the worst they can say is no, but more often you might be 
surprised at the answer. So, you know, you can't go asking for everything under the sun and you do have to make these choices strategically. But I think there's a lot more opportunity for the taking if you just decide to, to be brave and ask. Anna, this has been so amazing. I love you so much for being on here and just because you're my friend too. Um, and thank you for being part of our show and joining the No More Mondays movement officially. As always, it is so much fun to hear from people who are enjoying what they do for work and in life. And you're definitely no exception. Thank you so much. I'm proud to be a part of it. Thank you, Angie. And for those of you out there listening, I would love, love for you to subscribe to No More Mondays wherever you get your podcasts. Think about leaving us a five-star rating because it is a huge help as we continue to inspire confident professionals everywhere with great stories like Anna's. If you'd like to leave us comments, feedback, or drop a guest suggestion, visit us online at nomoremondays.info. Thanks for listening to this episode of No More Mondays. We hoped you grabbed some great insights to help you improve your professional satisfaction. Please visit us at Apple iTunes and give us a rating so we can continue to offer you awesome interviews and content each week. No More Mondays. New episodes drop every Wednesday. No More Mondays is brought to you by Career Benders Inc. in partnership with executive producer Jane Durkee. For more information about career coaching, resume writing, personal branding, recruiting, and entrepreneurship coaching services, visit our website at careerbenders.com. That's careerbenders, B as in boy, S as in Sam.com. This is your host, Angie Callen, signing off. Until next week, when we chat with another inspired, confident professional.